Thank you, ladies. Amen. Let me ask you to open your Bibles with me, if you would, to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. It is wonderful to be able to be here together today. I thank the Lord for the opportunity we have to be in the Lord's house and to be able to spend time with those who uh, know and love the Lord and to be able to hear from His Word that which He has for us. I'm uh, encouraged. I've had a number of people, a large number of people, uh, come to see me concerning the, uh, the slight change that we've made to the order of service, starting right at the beginning, right at 11 o'clock, uh, reading a passage together before we start singing, and just preparing our hearts to really, you know, as we, as we come into this room, as we come into the property, but as we come together into this room to be able to uh, assemble together before the Lord, it really is encouraging to be able to uh, have our hearts and minds stayed upon Him. And, you know, there's so many, so many distractions uh, throughout our day and throughout our weekend. And I, you know, I really believe that often uh, Sunday mornings, I find that uh, if your children can't find their shoe, it's Sunday morning that they can't find their shoe, that kind of a thing. And, I, and, and the Lord wants to be able to not allow these things to interfere with our understanding of His love for us. I'm not sure why our, our hearts are so quickly moved away from the goodness and the love of God. We all understand these things to be true. We all rejoice in these things being true, and I would say almost theoretically sometimes. But they're not theoretical. They're so very, very real and so very, very important to your everyday life. And our Father wants us to be able to, to have a deep, deep, ongoing understanding of His love, of His goodness, and of His greatness in our lives. If the children of God, if we the children of God, those that really are born again, those of you that are new creatures in this room, if we would really live in the light of His love, it would have such a wonderful, wonderful impact upon every single moment of every single day of our lives. And it would give us such a wonderful opportunity to be able to convey and to demonstrate His goodness to those around us. So as you are learning this, as you are growing in this grace, as you are growing together in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, please, please don't let it be a head knowledge without a heart-affecting knowledge. Because it isn't, God did not give us His Word to make us intelligent. He gave us His Word so that we could be conformed to the image of Christ. That we would be changed in the inward man. It is the inward man that it changes the outward man. And not the other way around. May God help us to enter into this. Now if you'll turn with me uh, to 1 Peter chapter uh, 1. Brother John read through verse 5. I'm going to pick up in verse 6 and just read a little bit. We're actually going to look together this morning at verse 3. But let's read starting in verse 6. I just want to read a little bit further to help us see the context. So John finished. Uh, let me start in verse 3. Let me just do that just so you can uh, uh, say, blessed, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, 
and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen you love, in whom, though now ye see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified before the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Father, bless us this morning as we consider together the blessedness of such a great salvation. And Lord, the praise that it is meant to bring forth in our hearts. Lord, in my life, in my life, please give me a life full of genuine, thankful praise. All day, every day. Humbly rejoicing in so great a salvation, in so wonderful a God, in such a tremendous plan. Thank you, Father, for all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If I could just turn your attention for just a couple of minutes to verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Now last week, now just to, rem- just to kind of bring us to where we are, last, the last couple of weeks we looked at the strangers scattered, right? And last week we looked at the elect. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Now what we see is this. Let's please look up here for just a moment. The strangers scattered that are being spoken to are the elect who have had these things take place in their life. Now consider where you sit this morning in your own heart and mind. Consider where you sit this morning. Have you, through the sanctification of the, spe- of the Spirit, unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Have you had God change your heart and life? Has God made this change in you? Have God the Father, you notice in the verse, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son working together to provide so great a salvation. If if this is true, if you are one of those elect, and again, we're not going to go into the the entire teaching on election. I do want to repeat this, though, for anybody who didn't hear this before or who's listening to this for the first time. God has never elected anyone to be lost. Do you understand? Those that are lost, those that are without Christ, are without Christ by their own choice. Now, those of us, those of us that are new creatures, God knows and knew before that you and I were going to say yes. Now, I, I don't know why. I really don't know why 
I responded to the, to, the, to the grace of God in my life. I do not understand why some people around me have been so opposed to that which I was so glad to hear. I do not know why this is the case. I am humbly grateful that I, have been, that I have been delivered from myself, that I have been delivered from the wretch that I was, the wretch that I am left to myself. I am grateful and glad for the grace of God that would save all of us just like he saved those of us that are saved today. Thank God for that. But those, those of us that have said yes, it is God who has begun this and it is God that is going to perform this. It is God that is going to finish this. And what a tremendous blessing that is. Now this brings us, so after that, that after we have this grace unto you and peace be multiplied, the next word is blessed. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then it goes on to talk about the inheritance and the keeping power of God. But this morning, quite honestly, I want to focus primarily just on what it says about God the Father, the God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it says here, blessed. Now, if you'll put your ribbon here and turn back to Matthew chapter 5. Turn in your Bible back to Matthew chapter 5. There's a portion of Scripture, it's often called the Beatitudes. It's kind of a funny phrase. I'm not really sure, you know, I, I do know where it comes from. I don't know why we do this. As a rule, I'm not sure why we do. These Beatitudes, this blessedness. Let me, let me, let's look at this. Our Lord Jesus Christ speaking, his, his public teaching, as we understand, the first recorded public teaching Notice what he says in verse 2, and he opened his mouth, our Lord Jesus opened his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which hung, do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you, persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice, and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now what you notice is over and over and over again, verse 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11, every one of them begins with the word blessed. And the word blessed here, the English word blessed here, the Greek behind it has this to it. It means perfectly happy. That's what it means. The, the word means Perfectly happy. So you can put that in if you want to write that in the margin. It'll be helpful to you later. And what you can understand is this. Now, so let's read it that way, okay? Perfectly happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now let me say this. The Old Testament very clearly teaches that to obey is to be blessed and to disobey is to be cursed, right? And so when he begins saying blessed, 
of the poor in spirit, the question is, why doesn't he say, blessed are the obedient? And the answer is this, because there are none that are obedient unto salvation. Do you understand? There are none that are capable of earning the blessings of God through their own obedience. It's not possible. You're not obedient enough, and I'm not obedient enough. None of us have been obedient enough. So, so our Lord Jesus begins his public teaching by saying this, perfectly happy are those, and just read it, read it with me, perfectly happy are those who are poor in spirit, humble and broken of spirit. That's what it means, poor in spirit. Those who know that they're not enough on them, on their, of their own. Their own selves, not enough. Your own works, not enough. Your own goodness, not enough. Perfectly happy is someone when they come to that realization. And I can testify to this truth in my own life. For many years, I was afraid of God because I did not want to be around Him because I knew He was holy and I knew that I wasn't holy. And I had no idea, had no idea, having grown up going to a, a quote-unquote church in New England, I had no real idea that God was for me, that God was on my side wanting to rescue me from me. Did not know that. All I saw was that God was good and pure and holy and righteous, and I knew that I wasn't. Now, I knew a lot of people who pretended that they were. They went to church and they pretended that they were, and they treated others as if they were less than them so that they could appear to be better than other people. But what I realized is, this is God is not fooled by any of this. God is not fooled by religion effort. God is not fooled when you come today and pretend to be something that you're not going to be tomorrow. God is not fooled by any of this. And it made me despair until I realized, until someone told me that God so loved me and you and all of us that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believed in him should what? Not perish, but have everlasting life. That it would be the gift of God to us, perfectly Happy, that's what it means. Perfectly happy. Perfectly happy are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Perfectly happy are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And on and on and on. Now, turn back, if you would, with me to 1 Peter. Many times, the majority of the times in your Bible when you see the word blessed, it means perfectly happy. But there are times, there are, there are six times, I believe, when it doesn't mean that. And this is one of those. Now what it says here is this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Perfectly happy, right? Nope, that's not what it means. Different Greek word. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what does it mean? And this is, let's look, look up here. Because this is what it means. Worthy of adoration. That's what it means. Worthy of of adoration. Now take your, if, I'm going to do this, you don't have to do this. You can take your hymnal if you want to. So let's open to hymn seven. Hymn number seven. I, I'm using my bulletin because I forgot the number. Hymn number seven. Open your, open your hymnal to hymn number seven. This is what we sang. This is one of the first songs we sang this morning. After we read the passage in Psalm 145, this is what we sang. Listen. All praise to him who reigns above and majesty supreme who gave his son for man to die that he might man redeem. And then notice what it says after that. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Worthy of adoration. 
That's what it means. Now, listen, I told you that this, that this, that this English word blessed, six times the Greek behind it, is the word for worthy of adoration. In every single time, it is only speaking of God. The only, the only one worthy of adoration is God. Amen? Worthy of adoration. Now, look, please look. This is, a, this is such an important thing in your life. Would, would you like, honestly, and I mean this to every single one of them, would you love for your life to have the change in it that God wants to make in it. And this, if that's true for you, if that's really what you want, then learn to adore God. Learn to adore Him. Realize how worthy of you adoring Him He is. Now, in just a minute, we're going to talk about why that's true, because the passage doesn't just say, blessed be the name of the Lord. It says, this is why He is worthy of our adoration. Now, we know this, again, we know this in theory. But are you living in the light of this all day, every day? Because I promise you, the more I live in the light of this, the more this truth changes my heart, the more it changes my life. The more it changes not only the way I see things, but more importantly to others, the way I relate to other people, the way I respond to them, the way I act toward them to begin with is changed. Listen, not by your goodness or my goodness, but by his goodness, by his greatness. As I understand just how much he deserves to be adored, it changes everything in about the way we live our lives. Now notice what it says concerning this. Blessed. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, we looked at this already when we looked at the blessed, blessed beginnings of 1 Peter weeks ago when we started this. So we see that what we want to see here is that we adore God because he is a worthy of that adoration. Now, some of the reasons that follow are given to us right here. Notice what it says. Blessed be the, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which, according to his abundant mercy, hath begotten us again. Listen, here's why. Why do we adore God? Why do we Why? Because he gave us a new life. Because he gave us a new life. Right? It says, he hath begotten us again. We, if you're born again, if you're here this morning, and you're born again, where did that come from? And we already know, right? We already know this from John chapter 1, because you have to be born of God. If you're really born again, then you were born again, and God is the one that did it. Amen? Yes? No? Let me ask you this. How many of you would say you're born again? Raise your hand if you'd say I'm born again. All right. How many of you would say you're born again and God is the author of that new life that you have? Really? Okay. Now, now, how many of you, now listen, now let's just be honest. How many of you would say that that new life that God has given you has really changed your everyday life so that your everyday life is now one of giving him the adoration that he deserves? Now, I don't want you to raise your hand. Let me ask the question this way. How many of you would be honest and say, I really want to adore God more than I do? I should, ad I should adore God more than I do. Anybody want to raise their hand for that? Raise it high if you're really willing to say that. That's an awful lot of hands, right? Now listen, we, we, God, God is worthy of us adoring him, but how, how am I going to be changed? Honestly, let me ask you this question. If I am a new creature, then the Holy Ghost already lives within me. Amen. So then how can I be, how can I have more adoration for God in my life, in my daily life? How can I have that? Do I think warm, fuzzy thoughts about God? Right? Do I just find a nice, cool place and good luck with that? Right? It's July now. 
right? Do I just find a nice, if you're going to find a nice cool place in the Hampton Roads area right now, it's going to have to be inside, okay? Do I just find a nice place, an unmolested place, a place where I can go and it'll be perfectly quiet and I can sit there and just think nice thoughts about God? Is that what's going to come? Listen, here's the problem with that. There are two problems with that. One, you don't have time for it. Right? You have a busy life. You have things that have to go on in your life. So God is not interested in you giving him worthy praise when you got a spare minute. You understand? So what's going to have to change is our daily life, our everyday, busy, active, real life is going to have to be filled with the adoration of God that it deserves. Amen? So how's that going to happen? And the answer is really very simple. And that is this. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by it's really that simple. It really, really is. I don't know what you do with your free time. I don't know whether it's Facebook. I don't know if it's video games. I don't know if it's television. I don't know what you're doing with your free time. But if instead you sat down with an open Bible and read about how great your God is, it would change your faith. It would change your heart. And that would change the way we live with one another. That's, that's what God is doing in our life. That is happening in our life. It's happening through the, uh, the Bible studies, through the discipling, through the fellowship. It's happening in our everyday life through our own devotions. This is how we're being not conformed to this world, but being transformed by the what? Renewing of our minds. And how is our mind washed? How is our mind renewed? And the answer is by the word of God itself. Because as, look, I promise you, as you read the Word of God, you're going to see the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And that's this, just how complete your salvation already is. Just how complete it is. It is unbelievable how secure a new creature is. When you're born again, it's amazing how perfectly cared for and taken care of you actually are. But the reason we don't know this is because we listen to the voices all around us, all the voices of all the world whining and fussing and complaining about this and that and everything else instead of just spending time with our God in his word, knowing, hearing, and knowing just how wonderful he is. We were given physical life by God, all of us. And we were all given the opportunity to have eternal life by that same God. A God whom we had offended with our selfishness and lack of love. I was so, I'm telling you honestly, I was saved when I was 22 years old and I had become so aware. And again, I had a really good life. I mean, as men would measure lives, I had a really good life, but I had become so very aware of my own selfishness and lack of love. And I was convinced that I knew so few people who had any really selfless care for anybody else. Everyone was out for what they could get. In other words, relationships that I saw, the relationships that I saw were you give me something and I'll give you something back. That's what I saw in relationships. And I thought, surely that's not what real love is. And you know what? That's not what real love is. It's not. You know what real love is? You do nothing right and I will love you anyway. That's what real love is. And the only place that I have ever seen that is in Jesus Christ and those who are actually new creatures. Amen? The only place I've ever seen selfless love, real, true, ongoing, selfless love, is in our Lord Jesus Christ and those that are new creatures. He gave us a new life 
when, when we needed it. All of us in need of this. He gave us your physical life to begin with, and then he gave you the opportunity to have this new life. Now, if you go, I do want you to turn for just a moment. I know we look at it a lot, but I really believe that it's so important that you understand this. Go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. John chapter 1, it begins it, talking about our Lord Jesus. You want to start in verse 10? John chapter 1, beginning in verse 10, he, speaking of our Lord Jesus, was in the world. The one that made the world, right? You go back to the beginning of this chapter, he made the world. The one that made the world came into the world. And the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, he came unto the Hebrews, and his own received him not. But, and boy, what a, this just, this, I mean, I can hear the, I hear the music of the Bible change right here. You understand? When you read those verses, they are in a minor key. The, the verses we just read, there's, there's a sad note to the verses that we just read. But when you get to verse 12, everything changes. But, as many as received him, as many who, just listen, not as many as went to church, not as many as were baptized, not as many as believed this or believed that, as many as received the Lord Jesus Christ as he actually is, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them which believe on his name, which were born not of blood, meaning, meaning you were not born that way when you were born by, from your mother and father, nor of the will of the flesh, which means you could not do this, nor of the will of the man, which means I could not do this, but of God, which were born of God. What a tremendous truth. What a, what a wonderful, 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 wonderful thing God is saying to us. He hath begotten us again. He changed everything. Changed everything. And what he did is he says, it says in the verse, going on in the verse, it says, he hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. Now this is, um, we got to talk about the word hope first, right? Right? Hope is, hope is a horribly misused word here in the United States of America. We use the word hope a lot, and what we really mean is wish, right? I know I've said this so many times, and yet the people here that have not heard this, or people here this morning who have not heard this, hope is not wish. Hope is expectation. The, but in fact, listen, it's important. The word behind the word, the Greek word behind the word hope has the idea of a rope or a, or a, or a, uh, a cord that runs from one place to another. So this is, listen, this is what it means. When you see something in the word of God that is true, you have an expectation that it's going to happen. I can see that this is going to happen. That's what, that's what actual hope means. Hope does not mean wish or desire. What hope means is I know this is going to take place. I know, I now know that this is actually something that's going to happen. And that's what God said. He has not, listen, he has not brought us unto a false hope. He has brought us unto a living or lively hope. Our expectation is concrete. It is not imagined. It is not theoretical. Now, now, because, now I want you to notice how he proves it to us. It says, let's look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So here's what happens. I know that I'm going to have all the promises of God because 
Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead. Listen, when Jesus died on the cross, he said what? It is finished. It is finished. Now, listen, I want, you to, I want you to realize that everything that Jesus said about himself, everything that he proposed to be, if he stays dead, means nothing to us. Do you understand? He would have just been a man who said some words and died a horrible death because people are really mean. That's what it would have been. But that's not what happened. At the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, he proves that he is everything that he says that he was. That he is the Son of God. That he is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And that all of our salvation, all of our hope and trust is not in dead religion, but in our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is a living hope. But it isn't just, it isn't just that we have this living hope it's not just that we have this expectation, it's that we have this expectation that's eternal, but it's also that we have this in that it is very new. Turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Boy, this is so encouraging to me. Romans chapter 6. Not only do I have eternal life, but I have a new life right now. Romans chapter 6. I'm going to read an extended passage. We're not going to spend a lot of time in it, but I do want you to see it. It really helps you to see the context by seeing the, the words around it. And it's dealing with sin in your life and mine. What shall, we, what shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? And the reason that this says this is because where sin did abound, grace did much more abound in verse 20 before this, before this passage. God forbid. So shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we, listen, that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Because we have a living hope. Because we have a lively hope. You and I don't just have eternal life. We have a whole new life right now. Every day. All day, every day. Notice what it says. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into, into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so in that same way we also should walk in newness of life. For if, when we, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. That's what he was doing when he died on the cross. He died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore Reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it and the lusts thereof. Look up here for just a moment. Not only is God to be praised because he has given us eternal life, he is to be praised and adored 
because he has given us a whole new quality of life now. Now, I don't want to, I'm not, I don't want to go any further than this this morning. But what I do want to do is I, I, I really want to rescue somebody. I really believe that, I don't believe I want to. I believe that God wants to rescue somebody this morning from this. I, I really believe that there are people here this morning who are new creatures, who are born again, who are tired of trying in their own strength to please God or to do the things that God would want them to do. And this is how to be set free. This is how. Stop believing yourself. Stop believing yourself. And start, now listen, listen. Faith is not ambiguous. Faith is not warm and fuzzy. Faith is responding to what God says. That's what faith is. Listen, please look at me. Please look at me. God is not asking you to feel warm and fuzzy about him. That's not the kind of worship that he wants. That's not what he wants from you to adore him. What he wants is this. He wants you to open your eyes, read your own Bible, and believe him at what he says. Did you notice how much it says no, 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 reckon, no, knowing these things, understanding this? Do you want to know why? Really, do you want to know why? Because there are so many Christians who do, who do not understand that they are set free from the power of sin in their life. When you were saved, look, your flesh no longer gets to control your life anymore. Do you remember before you were saved? How many of you remember before you were saved? I remember before I was saved. All I ever did was what I wanted to do. Even if I didn't like the consequences of it, all I ever did is what I wanted to do. But as soon as I was saved, I suddenly cared about something that I never cared about before. I wanted to do something that I never wanted to do before. And I stopped wanting to do the things that I was doing before. But what I found was this. If I gave myself the choice, if I gave myself the choice, I was still going to choose often to do the wrong thing. I was still going to choose often my own selfish, easy, by the way. My, I don't know what your flesh is like. My flesh is lazy, right? My flesh does not want to work hard about anything. So my flesh wants everything to be easy. If serving God were easy, my flesh would say, we should serve God because it's easy. But what your flesh wants is what it actually simply wants to do. And what God is saying is this. I didn't just give you eternal life. I've given you a whole new life, a living hope. Every day in your life, you can have the will of God simply and wonderfully, listen, by trusting him at his own word. If you want to stop wrestling with yourself, spend more time in your Bible. If you want to stop wrestling with yourself, spend more time in your Bible and just believe God at his word. Now listen, please look at me. Look, look up here for just a moment. I'm not talking about um, one of those reading the Bible in a year plans. That's not what I'm talking about. And boy, and I, and I now understand why people are so worried when preachers talk about spending time in their Bible. I understand why. Because there's so many people who spend time in their Bible in vain. It doesn't seem that it should be possible that you can actually open up the Word of God and spend time in it in vain, but you can. If you open your Bible and just read it to read it, it will do you no good at all. But if before you read it, you ask God, help me. Use your word to help me. Guess what? He will use his word to help you. If you will humble yourself 
and open the word of God and say, listen, it's just as simple. Please set me free from me. Then he'll do it. Because he wants to do it. It's what he wants for you. What? Blessed, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his, and this is the last thing I want to say, according to what? Why has he begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? What does it say? Turn back with me to 1 Peter. Turn back to 1 Peter with me. Because this is the key to this. We just talked about the fact that he gave us, that he has given us a lively hope, that he has given us a new life, right? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But notice this phrase, which according to his what? Abundant mercy. All right, let, I, I, know, I know it's time to be done almost. Let's talk about abundant for a minute. Anybody got an abundant amount of money in their wallet? I have two mints in my pocket. It's a blue mint and a white mint. That's not an abundant amount, right? Right? Two's not an abundant amount. How many, how many mints would I have to have in my pocket before you would consider it an abundant? I mean, in order for it to be an abundant number of mints in my pocket, you'd almost have to think, that's kind of ludicrous to have that many mints in your pocket like that, right? I got 37 mints in this pocket right here. You'd say, well, that's an abundant, kind of silly amount of mints you've got in your pocket right there. God has, listen, this is so important. God has done this in your life according to. And the word according to, the phrase according to, means because of and in relationship to. That's what it means. So listen, God has given you this lively hope. God has given you this new, this new life. Why? Why? What's the motivation? And this is the answer. Abundant what? It tells you. That's incredible. Is, is that not incredible to you? According, listen, now let's, I, want, I want you to read it because I want you to see it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. We've got this inheritance. We're kept by the power of God. We have all of this. And every single bit of it is according to his what? Mercy, but not just mercy, right? Now listen, why does it matter that it's abundant? Now, I don't know, I, I, I mean, I don't know what you guys think about me talking about mints in my pocket. I really don't. It's what I have in my pocket, right? My, this pocket's deep and it's hard to reach into, I'm sorry. <clears throat> ever have somebody ask you if you would like a mint? Anybody ever ask you, would you like a mint? Anybody ever ask you that? Anybody you ever wonder why they would ask you, would you like a mint? I, 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 have, I now have one mint, and there's one mint on the floor right there. Okay, thank you, Malcolm. Yes, please, before I step on it and put it into the carpet. <clears throat> According to his, listen, this is so important. Why have more than one mint in your pocket? Because you might need more than one mint in your pocket. Right? You can think whatever you want to think about having more than one mint in your pocket. Okay? You might need more than one mint, right? We know, uh, I'm from New England. I'm from the North. And I'm built like, I, 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 have, I have the thick blood of somebody from New England. I, I remember I was talking to somebody, maybe it was Mal, I don't know. Those of us from New England, we, we I mean, the word is sweat, okay? Living here, I, I can't even go outside here without having to change my shirt after going outside. When I was dating, again, we'll get a little private here, I know. But, but when I was dating my wife, when I would drive over, I rode a motorcycle to go, I was riding a motorcycle when I was dating, this before I was, this before I was saved. Drive to go over and see the woman who's now my wife. 
And I would actually, listen, I would actually carry a second shirt on my motorcycle in a little thing so I could change my shirt before I went into the house to see her. Why? Because I needed to. Do you understand? Listen, why does God save us according to his abundant mercy? Not just according to his mercy. Why according to his abundant mercy? And this is the answer. Because we need him to. Do you understand? You don't have any idea how good God is until you begin to have some idea how abundant his mercy is. Now, you might not think you need abundant mercy, but I'm aware of how much mercy I have needed and continue to need in my daily life. Amen? So the God that has given us a new life, the God who has given us a lively hope, has done all of this with the full knowledge of what we were like before he started this. God has given all of us all of this according, not according to your abundant goodness, not according to your abundant uh, honesty, not according to your abundant willing to try hard, but according to his abundant mercy. Because God knows that our greatest need is forgiveness. So why do we not love and adore him? If you had any idea just what a wretch you are and how great his love for you was, one, it would set you completely free from being a wretch so much anymore, really. Because you'd suddenly start saying, you know what, I don't want to walk after my own strength anymore. I don't want to be like this anymore. Lord, you're going to have to make such a tremendous change in my life that people do not see the jerk that I am anymore as I live my life. Amen? And here's the good news. That is the whole new quality of the new life that Jesus Christ has come to give us. And I thank God for that. Amen? Again, he has not given us a a fault or, or plastic hope. He has given us a lively hope. He has given us eternal life, and he has given us a whole new quality of life now that we're living here. Amen? This is why. This is why we adore him. This is why we adore him. And, and, and I love to be around, I really mean this, I love to be around other people who adore Jesus, who adore God the Father. I love to be around them because it shows me that they have a good understanding of how great he is because he is worthy of your adoration and he is worthy of your adoration because he has such great abundance of mercy towards all of us. Amen? Now, by the way, let me stop. Let me say this. For those of you that are unsafe, for those of you that are here this morning who do not have the forgiveness of your sins through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, God in his abundant mercy wants to give that to you. The only reason to be lost is to choose to reject that abundant mercy. Amen? But we who have it, we who have said yes to this, we who have obeyed the gospel when it was preached and said, not obeyed it as an, oh yeah, I'll do that. We simply said, what? You'd forgive me? You would freely give me life? You would take my sin and give me your righteousness? I'll do that. I'll gladly do that. All of us, all of us for whom that is true, it is right that the people around us should see people who are giving what? Adoration to God all the time. All the time, all the time, all the time. Why? Because he's abundantly merciful in our lives. Because he has given us a new life and he has given us a lively hope. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. I thank you for just, Lord, again, here we are, just three three verses in 
to this book, which, which speaks of joy unspeakable and full of glory. And Father, we see together this morning just how abundant, how abundant, how great a salvation we have because of your mercy in our lives. Thank you, Father. Thank you for all of these things. Thank you for such a great love. Please, Father, give your children right now the desire, all of us, the desire to, to, to love you and adore you, but not just this moment. All the time that we're around, not only each other, but everybody that we're always around. Father, please keep turning our hearts back to your word, that the word of God might dwell in us richly, that we might have the strength, not in our flesh, not in ourselves, but humbly in your word and your power. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me if you will.